This episode of the If You Ask Betty podcast is brought to you by Alternative Media. Are you working on a massive project and need some help? A&M offers a wide range of professional services from e-learning and training development, comics, graphic novels, 3D model creation, and virtual reality experiences. Follow Alternative Media on Twitter at A-N-M underscore tweets to stay updated or visit alter-native-media.com today to set up a free consultation. Welcome to the If You Ask Betty podcast. This podcast is designed to discuss all kinds of development topics for all kinds of learning professionals. I'm your host, Betty Danowitz, and today we're talking with Dan Hurt from the Mosby Learning Podcast about your L&D brand. So talking with somebody who already has a podcast, it makes me just, I mean, I'm just a little bit concerned that I won't make a good impression. Yeah. Yeah, you should be. Yeah. Oh, great. Good. So thanks for validating my fears. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So Dan, thanks for being on the podcast today. Um, help our listeners kind of get to know you a little bit better. Can you can you give us a quick intro about you and maybe even how you and I met? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on, Betty. This is a, this is a real trip. You know, I see, um, well, really, and the, the how we met, I think, is you, you yourself have a pretty strong online brand. And that's, I think I might have just seen you kind of trickle into my LinkedIn feed one day and um, and then you, you look notable and you said interesting things. And so I started following you. And then one day I think I said something interesting online and, and that started an offline chat back and forth about, uh, I don't know the, the right way to peel an orange or something, but, um, that's exactly what it was. I think that, I was, I was struggling, but I think that was it. I think that was it. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow. So that's, I think that's how we met, but, um, I guess my, my, the short version of my L and D story, you know, years ago, I was a, a retail manager for an office supply company and I didn't care for it. And, uh, luckily a couple of years before that I had taken a, training and development course at uh, the University of Windsor from where I hail. And that course really just kind of planted the seed. And then after I had enough of retail management, I took uh, took a night course or night courses to get my certificate and had the privilege of uh, kind of moving to the, uh, the, the United States of America for a little while. And that's where I actually broke ties with retail and started just started fresh. And that was, that was truly a rebranding experience because I didn't have any L&D experience to speak of, and somehow I needed to land an L&D job. So that's that kind of um, pole vaulted me into the uh, trying to establish who the hell I was. Well, you know, your story is it's not uncommon because I think that a lot of folks that are in our uh, our industry, learning and development, it's an organic like growth. It's you, you came in as an expert in what you were doing in the business and they were like, well, you're so good at this. Uh, maybe you should train people. Oh, well, hang on. So, so that's not actually my story. That is a, that is a story that is, does get hurt a lot. Uh, and I, I love those people. And um, may, maybe we can have a separate conversation one day about maybe they don't get enough service through the uh, official powers that be in L&D. But I had to walk away from retail as a manager. And I just started working at a bank as a trainer in, uh, in Michigan. So it was, it, was a, it was 180 degrees. I had to reinvent myself. Uh, and, and somehow I did through actually the use of a podcast and uh, kind of an L&D blog back then. Um, I established myself and, and talked my way through a few interviews. But um, 
I wish I wish I walked in with professional experience because <laughs> that would have made the first year and a half a whole lot easier. Uh, it was it was a hell of a learning curve, though. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Well, let's let's talk about brand since you so beautifully in your introduction weaved that in. Mm. I'm sure that that was just happenstance <laughs> and not on purpose. But um, I specifically want to talk about personal brand within our industry. Let's just start at the beginning because I've heard that's a really good place to start. What is brand? How would you define it? Uh, I think so. I spent a minute in Texas, and before I did that, I I would have defined it differently. But there, there's they are fond of cattle. Uh, they're ca- cattle down there in Texas. And uh, hang on, stay with me. <laughs> uh, I was I was around Fort Worth, and they have these things called the uh, the stockyards or the I think it's the stockyards, and they march the same six sad cattle down the you know the cobblestone pathway, and everybody takes a picture, and it's great. But then I, I started looking at these signs that have brands on it, like the actual brand that the cattle get branded. So like a nerd, I looked it up on Wikipedia. Um, but I mean that that's where the brand started. It was it was for you to say these are my livestock, you know, that's, that's, these are my things. These are the things that, and then it became, these are the things that I sell. These are my wares. And, you know, then you associate quality or, or whatever you want to associate with it or lack thereof, maybe just cheapness, you know, maybe that's the brand, but yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's maybe a visual representation of who you are and, and, and the, the goods that you want to sell. Yeah, and I'm so glad that we don't actually brand ourselves like <laughs> well, we don't like they branded the we don't and not yeah. in this country. But um, yeah, I would agree. So, like from my perspective, it's all about brand is what you're known for and how people recognize you. Yeah. So and and the thing is, it's way more than just like colors and images that you put on social media. Although that's part of it, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. more it's more than logos and uh, and slogans. Y- your brand is really about what kind of work do you do. How do you treat people? I think that that's a huge part of your brand. And, you know, you could even, I mean, you can include things like style, but styles change. I always think it's interesting that catchphrases are really a part of people's brands, right? So like, do you have a catchphrase? Uh, not yet. I'm, I'm still uh, still sifting through the options, I guess. You might have one and you just don't know it. Like someti- sometimes people say things all the time, like no biggie, like the, it's yes. no biggie. No, you're right. <laughs> Yeah. No worries. No yeah. worries. Um, it's all good. My favorite one that I've ever heard that I adapted immediately was I was having a conversation with uh, a friend of my, he's a friend of mine now, but anyways, at the time we were talking about something and I, and I called him out on the carpet on some, I'm really good at that, by the way. So I mean, that <laughs> might be, a, might be a superpower, but anyways, so I called him out on something and, um, he said, well, you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hold on. You just said I'm right, but you didn't want to say I was right. So you said I'm not wrong. He's like, you're not wrong. And I'm like, okay. So, but that's sort of part of people's brand, right? Is sometimes their catchphrases and the things that they say all the time. It, it's absolutely true. And actually, I, I, as you were saying that, I realized that I do have some. And uh, I like oh, to say like yeah. rock like rock and roll and like a, like a, yeah, okay, let's go with that. That's the plan. Rock and roll, uh, or, or moving and grooving. Uh, and I realized because I, I was doing, a, I was building a script to, to go along with uh, e-learning for, uh, some clients of mine and <laughs> she was reviewing it. She was like, Oh, I, you know, I can hear you. I hear your voice as I read this because I had uh-huh. like simple phrases like that in there, but it's true. And, and that's, you know, our brand permeates all the work that we do. It does. It absolutely does. So so really what that means is that we've been sort of creating and cultivating our brand pretty much since we started interacting with other humans, right? Like our brand, it kind of in a lot of ways it already exists, 
Yeah. We just kind of have to look at who we are and what we're known for right now. Yeah. It's, it's a representation of our reputation, mm-hmm. I suppose. It is. Yeah. It is for sure. So, so let's, uh, let's kind of help people visualize what we're talking about. So what, what would you say are some personal brands that you find to be exceptional or noteworthy? Like what, what personal brands do you remember? There's a guy online. I'm sure you've heard of them. If this is a topic that's in your head, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, I do know Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. Uh, a lot, a lot you of people said his do. last name better than I did. <laughs> it's Vaynerchuk. Is, uh, that's how he pronounces it sometimes. Yikes. But yeah, so he he's just this guy that is, he has a, a marketing, uh, he's got a marketing company and he puts himself almost exclusively. Uh, well, that's interesting. Just himself. So not his family. A lot of people do that. They'll put their kids in their photos. Or yeah, yeah. That's not his deal. Uh, he just puts himself out there, but he documents literally everything he does. And I'm not using that uh, hyperbolically. Literally. Everything yes. that he does in media. Literally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, but so one of the things that's incredible about his brand is that it, it's in that small section of the world, he absolutely permeates uh, all social media, all things. And he, he's connected to absolutely everybody. But I think the things that uh, blow me away about his brand is that because there is such consistency in his messaging, you know, the guy's legit. Like he's not putting on airs at all. He tells you exactly what he thinks, whether you like it or not. Like that's the thing that is in his head. He tells it to you and it's usually pretty, pretty substantial. Um, It has to be, it has to be authentically who he is because who has enough energy to make up that kind of stuff all the time? Yeah. Oh yeah. He's, he's just, he's a ball of freaking energy. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Well, so, okay. You used, you used the word authentic, which I think is, is certainly appropriate for him. I, I think that it, it bums me out a little bit because that seems to be uh, now a buzzword. Now it's a marketing word. Like, oh, you got to be authentic. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, I don't know what the PG rating on the podcast here is, but uh, I feel very strongly about crafting authenticity. I mean, you should just be authentic. Well, if you craft it, it's not authentic. Well, there you go. There you go. So that's something that we do on on our podcast. We try to peel back whatever professional. I call myself a learning development with quotes professional because um, I'm a learning development professional, but I'm not overly professional. And that that is part of my brand. Yeah, that's part of your brand. Um, and that's that's what I definitely try to. That's what we try to bring to the uh, our you know our our little weekly chat that we do. Well. I think that makes you very authentic. I'm just going to keep saying that word now because it drives you crazy. Piss me off. <laughs> yeah. Or genuine. How about if we use the word genuine? Oh, please. Can we? I think that there's other brands out there that we have to recognize because I think there's probably people listening to this that are like, sure. yeah, I'm not really into brand. Like, I think that, you know, I'm mm. too, I'm too bougie. I'm too cool for that. You know, some people would be like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about this brand thing. I think it's, I think it's overrated. I want to just take a minute and do like an exercise so we can show the power of brand. If you're up for that. Do it. And um, uh, just, this was not rehearsed. So if it goes sour, sour, we are totally leaving it in. Okay. (laughs) So, so I'm going to say a catchphrase. Remember we talked about catchphrases and brand. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say a catchphrase and I want you to tell me what you immediately think of. Are you Uh, ready? Yep. They're great. Oh, uh, Tony, the tiger. Tony the Tiger. Yeah. And what does Tony the Tiger represent? Jeez. No, I was going to say cornflakes, but I don't think that's it. You're close. Sweeter something, than that. 
Uh, oh, not Golden Grams. Um, Frosted Flakes. Frosted Flakes, right. Holy and geez, so right. Frosted Flakes, just, just be honest and authentic and genuine here. Okay. Um, I'm, doing, I'm just going to say that. I'm going to say that word 50 more times on this podcast. It's like the word moist. Some people can't handle that word. How dare you? And just so you know, 50% of the people just turned the podcast off. I don't care anyway. what your rating is. That's inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, okay. So thinking about when was the last time you ate a bowl of Frosted Flakes? Just be honest. It might oh. have been today. I don't know. No, it wasn't. I mean, I did have a pretty embarrassingly sized bowl of ice cream earlier, but um, I think uh, or, uh, Frosted Flakes, I don't know. It's probably got to be 20 years. 20 years. Yeah, 20 years. And I haven't seen a Frosted Flakes commercial personally mm. in at least 10 or 12 years because mm-hmm. you know that's about when I stopped watching kids TV. Yep. So, um, so you haven't seen the commercial. No. You haven't eaten it. You may have walked by Frosted Flakes in the grocery store and spotted Tony the Tiger and heard him say that in your head. And that's because that brand, we used, at least when we were young, we used to see it. We used to hear it. It was always consistent. He always said they're great. Right. Mm -hmm. And it sticks with us. Now, what does Tony the tiger seeing him and thinking about what he represents? How does that make you feel inside? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Hung- hungry? Hungry? Um, okay. No, I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I do. So the, the flakes are terrific. They're, they're crunchy. They're sweet. And you got the milk going. It's, it seems like a winning combination. Um, I mean, they're great. <laughs> That's what I'm told. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't. I don't have any other feelings. Right? It's, it's there's oh, some sure, nostalgia sure. there, right? Because yeah. you, when you were a kid, like you were eating the flakes and you're looking at the box of cereal mm. and you're looking at Tony and like he's cool and he plays sports. Okay, I know I'm taking this way too far, but the point is that brands that are authentic and genuine and visible to us, right. And consistent, they stick with us and their message sticks with us. Now his message was very simple that eating sugar coated cereal is great. Great. And I think we would all agree that that is true. (laughs) Yeah. Regardless of what the doctor might say. Right. right. So yeah. Yeah. Or the dentist. Yeah. So, so the point is that, and, and I've used this, uh, this example of Tony the Tiger, even when I talk about things like characters, right? Because he just happens to also be a character, but he's he's representative of that brand. And so I think that, you know, brand can really speak to us in a way that the that the person that's trying to deliver the content maybe cannot. So Kellogg's wants you to buy their cereal. Buy our cereal. But they can't True. put Tony on. it's Kellogg's, right? Uh, one of the, one of the big dogs, it's big cereal. If it's not, sorry, whoever, General Mills, (laughs) I don't know. Like we said, it's been 20 years since we ate it, but anyways, um, like they want you to, but they can't put Tony out there and be like, buy my cereal. That's not memorable. That's not going to get their prime demographic kids to want to purchase their cereal. So that's how they, they spread their message. So anyways, bringing it back. Um, you talked a little bit about your personal brand examples. You talked about Gary V. Do you have any others? And, you know, if so, like what do those examples speak to you? Like how do they, how do those make you feel? What do they say to you? Why do you keep looking at that brand? I think uh, for the ones that I do, I, th- I think that there's an element of them that I want to, um, 
I don't know, exemplify as a human being. Like there's something about that brand that I say, damn it, I wish, okay, if I don't have that, I want to work towards that. It's, 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 uh, I don't want to say inspirational, but maybe it's like, it's a guiding light along that one particular path. I guess most of my media exposure is through LinkedIn, which is limited. You know, obviously it's kind of a self-selected thing. I've, I've tried to connect with certain people, but I've connected with some salespeople. They're, I don't know if I'd call them role models, but um, there's there's another guy in the UK, Jack Gaysford, a young guy, and I think his dad's got a marketing agency, and then he kind of started running the social media side of the thing. And he seems like a young guy that wants to help people. Actually, it's Gary V. He seems like an older guy that wants to help people. Mm-hmm. So that that seems to be one of those things, and and that's almost hard to tell if it's authentic or if it's not. Uh, and this is because I'm a cynic. Um, that's that's just part of my brand. Um, that's why we get along, Dan. It could be. <laughs> um, so, but you know, it's like, okay, well, do does that person want me to think that they're a helpful person, or are they a helpful person? And I don't know. The only thing that I do know is if they consistently do it, well, then they're consistently helpful to people. So whether they are doing it for a different reason or not, they're still doing something that's a net positive. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. You know what I mean? And I don't know, I think are part of your brand markers. <laughs> they could be. They could be. Let's just keep moving and grooving, shall okay, we? Okay. Yeah. So I am in agreement with what you're saying. Often we see things that we desire in ourselves. And sometimes it's mm-hmm. it's not like I want to do that or I want to be that, but I appreciate that you're that way. So uh, for example, yeah. I have friends that are quiet and introverted, believe it or not. And um, I am not either of those things. And these people are very calm. And that's their brand is that they're always calm. And I'm like, I appreciate that. I will never be that. I know it's it's not, you know, not deep in my desires to be calm and quiet. I just, it's just, no. But, <laughs> but I so appreciate it in them because it does bring me down like a couple notches, right? So, yeah. so like I love, um, let's, let me give you a good one. Oprah Winfrey. No, no, Who? no, stop it. No. Jenna Kutcher. Okay. I'm leaving that in. Mm. Jenna Kutcher. So some some of you might know who Jenna Kutcher is. She is, she's a definitely a social media influencer. She has built her empire, for lack of a better word, on basically teaching other people how to start an online business and run your own business. She speaks to women entrepreneurs. And a lot of the stuff that she talks about is about online marketing and things like that. And I'll pick up bits and pieces from that, but, and she's, and she has beautiful stuff and everything is very uh, relevant and modern. And I think Mm. I want to feel like I'm as together as she looks, Mm. whether she is or not. I'm sure she has a full on staff of people helping her look like she's really got it together and surrounded by beautiful things. But I just want to feel like I am that together. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't really have to be that together. So, so that's one of the things that I'm like, okay, so it's her brand that's telling, I don't know her. I would love to know you, Jenna, if you want to send me a message, that's fine. We can chat. We can can be friends and have coffee. But anyways, I don't know her, but the point is that the brand that she puts out, it gives me, like you said earlier, that inspiration, that feeling of, you know, I, I want to do this because of her. And I think that's great. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, I, and I, I think that's admirable. And that's why you need to have, you know, it's funny to have role models that are in social media. It's funny being a grown ass adult and being like, oh, who are my role models? Um, but th- there's always, there's always somebody that's a little better at it. And uh, I, I've really tried to adopt 
uh, I don't know, maybe a more altruistic, that's probably not the right word. I try a more mature, let's put it that way, more mature view at things that other people have. And it's, I'm happy. I am happy for them that they have the thing, but sometimes I really wish I also had that thing. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's part of me that's kind of petty, I guess like that, but part, so that, 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 I think that really goes back to the, the brand consistency though. And I think, does everybody have a brand brand needs to be intentional and it can't just be intentional. You have to have decided what your brand is and that has to have grown with you for, you know, possibly decades in some instances. Like when I started, like I said, when I started in L and D I had to do a complete 180 between being a, a low ranking retail manager who happened to be interested in something and then to just just be like, Oh, one day I have to get a job in that thing. And that took some work. And what I had to do was I had to establish, and that's one of the reasons that I wanted to start. This was, geez, almost 10 years back now. No, it's a uh, eight plus though. Um, so, uh, you know, eight plus years, I started a, a podcast and a blog that was about L and D when I knew absolutely nothing about it. I took some night classes, read some books. And then what I wanted to do was use that as an opportunity to kind of, to, to sharpen my tools and to put some stuff out there in the world so that people saw, oh, this guy puts stuff out there in the world. Maybe he knows something. And it was through that consistency of creating materials and honing those ideas that, you know, you developed or I developed that brand, but then we all do. So I, it go, maybe it goes back to that authentic thing as well, because I, it's disappointing when you find out that people aren't exactly, you know, they do have a, a staff of seven people that are just putting things together mm-hmm. for them. So I think sometimes people get caught into the trap of comparing themselves and saying, gosh, I want just that thing. Well, you know, we can all have something like that, but we have to have the one that's meant for us. And maybe we can have that exact same thing, but it's going to take us three years to get there. And that's okay. It is. It absolutely is okay. And I think the problem is with, with, uh, as now I'm going to sound super old kids today, but, uh, but because everybody's on social media so very quickly, they feel as though they have to have a brand, like a 19 year old business coach. I'm not going to listen to anything a 19 year old business coach tells me, or, you know, I, I don't know why anybody would, unless they graduated at age nine, you know, like there's no reason that anybody should any ever listen to a 19 year old business coach. Uh, so it, there's this pressure to identify a brand and, you know, I've been working on mine for a decade and I don't know how long you, how long have you been Betty? How long has that happened? Um, how long have I been Betty? Are you asking me how old I am? That's really rude. <laughs> no, no, but if you were to, well, I kind of was, but since we're not going to answer that, um, <laughs> but how long have you been, been crafting the, you know, ask Betty persona for, if you ask Betty, I've had that seven years. Okay. So it takes a minute. Yeah, it takes a minute. minute. Yeah. So we've covered a couple of things when it comes to brands. So one of them, we've talked about authenticity, Dan, Dan's favorite word. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, We've talked about visibility, right? Because if people can't see your brand, Mm -hmm. then they don't know Mm -hmm. that it's your brand. And then they don't know that it's you. So it has to be visible. The more they see you, the more they're going to remember you. And then Mm -hmm. that's sort of where the consistency part comes in, right? So once you have sort of this cadence with your brand, you have to keep kind of going in that same direction. I think you're absolutely spot on when you say that, you know, young people today feel like they have to come out the gate with a brand and it's really something that you develop. And if it is authentically part of you, it should grow with you. Oprah Winfrey, you said her name earlier. I wasn't going to talk about her, but since you brought her up. 
<laughs> her brand has grown because when she first started, nobody watched her show. It was at the worst possible time. It was at four o'clock Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. Who watches TV at four o'clock? Nobody. Everybody's trying to go home from work or they're getting home and they're trying to do other things. Right. Yeah. And then as things progressed, she changed and her, she continued to sort of hone in. Like she started out wanting to help people. And by the time she was done uh, with her show, I'm talking specifically about her show. She was literally giving everyone in the audience a car. Yeah. Nothing, to, nothing to have seen about that. <laughs> And regardless of that, like her brand grew with her and now yeah. she owns her own friggin' network Yeah, among other no, things. No, it's true. Yeah. And it, di- it didn't happen overnight, you know, and that's one of the things. So, so Gary V, because he's always trying to help people and he's always recording stuff, uh, well, his man D-Rock is, but um, he's always talking to these young guys and gals that are like, oh, you know, I just, I want to try to figure out my niche. And it's like, you're 22, man. Yeah, give it just a minute. Freaking, just live for a minute, yep. you know? So, and I really think that that's part of it. You know, the, the, the idea of visibility and consistency are absolutely core. And I truly have a love hate relationship with social media. I'm on, uh, and I'll give you all my handles later, but I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter, and I can't stand it. Um, so LinkedIn, I kind of enjoy uh, because you know, you'll, you'll learn a couple of things. It's supposed to be professional on some level, but I'm kind of thinking I'm bringing that average down a little bit. We appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Make it safe for the other goofballs yep. to jump in. Uh, but, but I think one of, one of the things that I don't like about social media is the urge. So I've started to walk around. I'm like, well, how, how the hell can I make a thing out of this? Like, Oh, is this a thing? Maybe this could be a thing. That's not the life I want to live. But the thing is I, I want to be successful and I want to be, um, noteworthy, I suppose, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not above saying, saying that I, I wouldn't mind having some level of notoriety. The issue is having to go through life, pushing so much stuff into social media, but that's the only way that you can create a brand. And mm-hmm. I have to say that it's been beneficial to me because I, like I said, I went from zero career to at least something. And then I've moved from, uh, from generally speaking, Toronto to Michigan. Then I moved from Michigan to Texas. And then I moved from Texas to here. And once I got an interview with somebody and that's it, they, they, you know, it's like, Oh, I don't know about this guy. But then once I actually get in the door, people realize, Oh, okay. You know, okay. He's, he's not so bad. He can talk a good game. It sounds like he might be okay, but I don't get those opportunities unless I have not just a resume that looks okay. Cause my resume looks okay. But then once you see, once you combine that with an online presence, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, no, this, this, he's a somebody, well, not a somebody, but you know, it, it's a real person that look, he's got ideas and this sort of stuff. So that's where I think it's been really beneficial for me with the life that I've led kind of bouncing around a little bit, you know? And I think that if you want people to be able to recognize what your brand is, you're right, Betty. It's not just the color. It's not just the logo. It's the consistency of messaging mm-hmm. and you continually saying smarter and better things as your life progresses. Agreed. That was beautifully put. Thank you. We talked a little bit about brand markers and I don't know, have you heard this term before? Not before uh, you and I were chatting about it. I may have made it up. It's totally possible. Like markers that people are like, oh, that's your brand. Mm-hmm. That's so-and-so's brand. What do you think are your brand markers, Dan? Well, um, strangely enough, I think uh, a mustache has become part of that. Yeah. It, it wasn't originally intended to be that, but it does kind of help actually a guy. So I take the bus to work because, uh, you know, that's how I roll. Cool people take the bus. That's right. I like to say I have a chauffeur. 
I'm uh, I got my my uh, my daughter because uh, she's one years old. I got this little baby and she's strapped to my chest in one of those baby chest things. And uh, and we're walking around. And I see this guy. I recognize him from the bus. He also recognized me from the bus and he comes over and he's a little high and he's like, hey, oh, hey, the mustache. I love the mustache. Hey, man. Hey, you know, can I you got three dollars? <laughs> that's that's great. That's a nice part of the brand that that recognition. I suppose my my physical appearance is part of it, uh, and it sounds vain, but no, it doesn't. It's the thing that we have. And I was thinking about this because of these questions. I'm like, well, hair, really, hair is one of the biggest things because or the lack of hair. <laughs> That's it's true. <laughs> it's true. Well, you got to lean into something, you know. I mean, anything worth doing is worth doing, right? So that's right. Just take it down to the wood, man. But you're right. It, it is. It is one of those things that uh, I've walked around at conferences with uh, with people that have regular hair and no no ridiculous mustache, and I happen to get recognized easier because of it. Uh, yeah. So good, good, bad, or otherwise, it's part of it. So maybe that's one of the markers. I like to try to say something thoughtful and give people the opportunity to disagree with it. Uh, and I, I don't know if there's a word that I use for that. Well, I, as you pointed out earlier, maybe I say, I don't know. So I say something that I think is valid and then I'm like, mm, it's open to interpretation. What yeah. are your thoughts? You yeah. Know? So maybe that's part of it. I'll add on to that because you do it in a way where people don't want to punch you in the face. <laughs> so like you're, you're, you're not out there saying something and you're like, you know, change my mind. Instead, you're like, I mean, I could be wrong. What do you think? And that's, yeah. that's appreciated. Well, no, I think, I think that's true. You got to play nice, even with people that don't, you don't agree with. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's, that's one of the reasons that we started talking is because I put something out that you didn't necessarily agree with. And that's, I mean, that's great. That's, we need to talk about stuff sometimes. And it's, it's funny when parts of L and D lean, <laughs> I'm looking forward to having you on Mosby because I want to talk about AR and VR because usually we just kick the hell out of it. But I know that that's because we don't know enough about it. Because you don't understand we're, it. Yeah. We're ignorantly kicking the hell out of it, but it's it's fun while we can do it. <laughs> you need to come in and Wait, I'm really that. looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't have all the answers. And I think if there's one thing I've learned, you know, uh, I've recently just, we were talking about brand earlier, Alex Salas. I got to interview him, uh, or we got to interview him on Mosby this past week. I'm not sure when this, uh, this particular conversation is going to come out with you and me, but uh, in February, I had uh, interviewed uh, Alex and it was great. And he's a super smart dude and he's read a bunch of books and he's wrote a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's not me yet. I'm not that smart yet. <laughs> and so I am fully aware with all the freaking geniuses that are in l and I'm not one of them, uh, but I can talk an okay game and I can, you know, look kind of sharp while I'm doing it. So if we were all geniuses, there would be nothing left to learn. That's true. That's so, true. so like, I'm not a genius at all. I I don't, I read a lot. I don't, I like to, I love audible. I'm, I'm obsessed with audible. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. Like I, I would not put myself in one of those geniuses. I'm not, um, I don't have it published a book someday. I might write, write a book, but you know, it's not, it's, I don't think that anything in my book will be anything new. Cause I'm, yeah. I'm a big believer that there's nothing new under the sun. There's just new perspectives. I might someday share my perspective, but you know what? It's, there's so much left for me to learn. I have so yeah. much still to learn. And I think well, that people appreciate that and they, they're drawn to that. They, no, they absolutely do. And I, I think everybody kind of has to find their tribe too. So mm -hmm. the people, and this is one of the things that I've done a lot of humming and hawing as far as who is the audience for Mosby. And I'm sure you've had to think about who is the audience for if you, the, if you ask Betty podcast. And I, I think non-academics are the people that I am looking to have listen to my stuff. I, I want people that don't feel as though they have to have read a bunch of stuff to follow the bouncing ball with what we're talking about, you know? Yes. 
because yep. that's not the world that I really inhabit right now. Maybe it is. Maybe, you know, another 30 years, I'm going to have read all the books. I've written three and I'll say, oh, well, we, you know, we need to talk about X, Y, and Z. And they're all going to be very important things, I will say. But for now, you know, that's that's not where I'm at. And those aren't the people that I'm talking to. So since I'm American and I like to categorize things, would you, what, <laughs> what would we call that? Would we call that blue collar L&D or organically grown? The phrases cross my mind. I don't know. I just, a non-academic. Well, and that's why I put professional in quotes or I'm yeah. starting to do that more and more often, you know, because there's a lot of, uh, and oh, and this goes back to the idea that we brought up earlier, the idea of there are subject matter experts that get into training because they love it, but they got there because they were so good at what they yes. did. And I'm, I'm very good friends with some of these people. And this is something that I don't know that uh, the, the ATD powers that be, I don't think they're even looking at those guys and gals. I don't know. I don't have an opinion on whether or not they're looking at it, but I, which is strange because I have an opinion on everything. <laughs> but I think that you're right. I think that we can often feel, and I say we because that's me, we can often feel like uh, we are the B team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That doesn't, I mean, we still get to play. It's just when the conversation comes up and people are talking about research and this and that, like we know what research is. But I don't know about you, but I tend to not have a whole lot to say unless it's about the practical application of what they're talking about. Yeah. And then sometimes I feel bad about that. And then I'm like, wait a minute, I still have a lot of value to add. So I'm going to stop yeah. feeling bad about it. This is the, the thought that's in my head. But the, the, the phrase that I sometimes use is uh, you don't have to be the best guy in the world, but you got to be the best guy in the room. And, yeah. you know, I mean, you can put any gender you want in there, but as, you don't have to be the smartest one ever. And there are those people out there. I ain't me. But whatever room I happen to find myself in, I can help with something. Let's bring it back to what we were talking. Although I do love our rabbit trails. I want to bring it back to what we we're talking about as far as uh, personal brand. So we've talked mm -hmm. about like, what are some things we need to keep in mind? We've talked about, we've defined brand. We've even given some examples. I think we've very well defined why brand is important. We're both in the learning and development industry. Specifically, we're on the corporate side of learning. And, and I say that because... You know, there to me, there's sort of like three areas that that people are in K through 12. Um, those people are in learning development, by the way. I think sometimes, uh, sometimes we just ignore them. And um, if you're listening and you're in K through 12, I see you. Right. So like, I don't want you to think that we're ignoring you because we're not. I'm working hard to change that culture. So K through 12, corporate learning, and then there's higher ed. And I think a lot of times we don't mingle a lot, but we are all in the same industry. Mm -hmm. Specifically, we're in the corporate side. And so there are some people that are in our industry that have a very strong and stable personal brand. So this is a great time for us to name drop. Not that we haven't been doing that, but nevertheless, mm -hmm. who who have you noticed in L&D because of their strong brand? And then the follow-up question to that is what have you learned from them because you now recognize them. So there's three three people, and I was I had I had to think about this because there are people that I consistently see in my thread, or uh, enough, enough consistency that I say, okay, yeah, 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 that's 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 the person. Uh, one of them is uh, one of the guys, uh, Christopher Bergeron. He's a he's in academia, and he is a, a instructional designer. You know, cream of the crop instructional designer, and he did this thing last year where every day. He put out, uh, almost without fail, he put out a small video um, about instructional design. 
And it was one of those things that, you know, I saw this guy and I was like, oh, well, he's a nice guy, you know, and he is, he's a, he's a very, he seems like a very, very nice dude and he's incredibly smart. Now he is, a, you know, dyed in the wool academic. And so he's talking about some big stuff and some of it, I'm like, okay, I kind of get these concepts. I get how you could apply that. And then because it's instructional design, which is really just like, it's an elastic band of a term. It just goes in all sorts of directions and who knows what the hell it really means. But He's talking about recording audio sometimes. He's talking about structuring them sometimes, models sometimes. He's all over the place. But he really had uh, a brand that was, I would call it quite simple, like smart but simple. Now, this this is kind of, uh, and I don't want this to come off rude in any way, shape, or form. He put out videos that uh, they weren't they weren't polished videos. That's not what he was going for because when you're doing, when it's not your full-time job and you have to put out a video a day. It's like, Oh my God, that, that would be exhausting. Right. Yeah. And then there's those other guys that have maybe a team of two or three people and they really polish them up or they shop them out for editing. Like they have an editor that they just shop it out to. But, um, so it was, it was a simple sort of brand that he had. Um, but he was consistent, reliable. And I knew hundred percent. He's a smart dude. Uh, another one that's out there, Anna Sabramowitz, you know, Anna, I believe I do. Yeah. So she's, um, I think she's a hired gun. She's a, a, a contractor who you can hire and she does like L and D training. She trains instructional designers on how to, I think really her big thing is kind of folding stories and scenarios mm-hmm. into uh, L and D uh, material. And she's good at it. And she does these videos on a regular basis. This is, Hey, here's, here's a way that you can do this. And her videos are a little bit more polished. She, I don't want to say she has a studio, but her office is kind of built so that, you know, it's, you no, know, there's going to be some recording in here. She's got the whiteboard. She's doing whiteboard stuff. Uh, that's another one. And there's really only one other name in L&D that I could think of off the top of my head. Now, we already mentioned Alexander Salas, yeah. who, is, uh, who is very much a brand unto himself. And uh, the other one, though, was uh, Matthew Daniel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I see his videos. And what I think, I, like, I could describe, you could say, oh, I saw this video with Matthew Daniel and I could describe it to you, even though I had not seen it. Uh, He's very, very consistent in how he approaches his material and how he creates stuff. So I guess with branding, it it comes down to, again, there is, and I think we started off somehow saying like, you have a brand, whether you like it or not. And Mm -hmm. then you have to, well, you don't have to, but if you want to control that brand, you have to be a little bit more intentional about it. But that means you have to be more intentional about your behavior and your your values and judgments in general. I think if we reflect on that, then we can better understand where our values are and wh- how we want to be perceived. And we can start living uh, maybe a little bit more in line with that. Um, and brand matters more to some people than others. Like for me, like I said, it's been very helpful for me to have like a secondary thing aside from a resume when I've had to find myself in a new country looking for a new job. Mm-hmm. It's been useful. So what life are you living and how is it going to help you? Very good. Those are beautiful closing remarks. When you live out your personal brand, it's really not about marketing or selling yourself, right? It's about making yourself recognizable. Like you said, so that somebody, whether he's high or not, comes up on the street and recognizes (laughs) you. Um, And by being recognizable, that makes you accessible to people, which means that they can tap into you. And in turn, you're going to be able to tap into them. And that's That's what it's about, right? Especially in our industry. We are one of the few, if not the only industries that actually wants to help each other. 
Mm-hmm. It's and true. Yeah, we really do. It is. And everyone else is in competition with each other. I have a friend that owns a gym and I mentioned to him, I was like, Ken, I was like, why don't you partner up with this CrossFit gym and that CrossFit gym? Cause his gym isn't CrossFit and, mm. and that cycle studio. And why don't you guys partner up and like do something? And he's like, those people won't even talk to me. Hmm. And I was like, why can't you help each other? He's like, nobody wants to help anybody. It's, it's, you know, eat or be eaten. And I'm like, oh, I, and it, it never occurred to me that other industries works that cutthroat. We typically aren't, at least I haven't met anybody like that. And if I did, I'd probably put them in the face. So it's no, <laughs> I'm done with you. The one thing that I have noticed is uh, when it comes to, so I've, I've dabbled in voiceover a little bit and if, um, uh, you know, most of the stuff that I do, cause I do like wh- whoever's paying me on my nine to five, like I'm usually the voiceover guy and that's fine. And I love it. And I have a great time with it, but it seems like there's such a, that is, that is a sales heavy thing. And voiceover people are well branded because they have to, I mean, they're invested in it, you know, especially if that's their full-time gig. So, um, I think I might see a little bit more or feel like there could be a little bit more competition along those sort of things. So sure. when it's a job based situation, maybe, maybe that is the case. I don't know, but yeah, generally L and D man, if, if there's, if I could tell people all the things that I knew and if it was helpful, of course, to them, I would, I would, nothing would make me happier. Nothing would make me happier. I just want to tell people things that can help them. Exactly. As we are wrapping up, I have a couple of questions I want to ask you. I try to ask mm-hmm. all my guests these questions. Mm-hmm. First one is this. How do you align your passion with your work? Uh, luckily, I think I did it the other way around because I was in a job, like I said, I was a retail manager, didn't care for it. I got lucky in university and I took a course that said it turned that light on and I had to come back to it. So I had the passion and then I had to find the work. So I, I took night classes and I started a podcast eight years ago and a blog eight years ago. And that got me a job that people appreciated the ideas that I had. I started with the passion and then found the work. Start a blog, start a podcast. Yeah. Okay, good. That's good to know. Uh, All right. Here's the next question. What is the message that you want to get out to our listeners, right? Or what do you want them to remember? It can be about brand or anything else. This is sort of your opportunity to spread your message. Reflect on on what you want to do and live the most intentional life that you can. I've been very fortunate with some of the, the ways that my life has gone where it took a turn that maybe I would not have expected, but it has worked out well for me, but if you can live with intention and you can show people that, I think that that demonstrates trust and, and to be transparent and, and to be truthful and to just be honest and you can't go wrong with that, you know? So find out who you are and lean into it. I like that message a lot. And I like that you were able to use every other word except authentic. (laughs) It's a stupid word. (laughs) (laughs) all right so how can people connect with you if they want to after the show please find me on social media ladies and gentlemen uh if you're looking for me on twitter that's uh dan talks l n d and as in nancy dan talks l n d on instagram and you're gonna know the theme here dan talks training so that's me on instagram and then on linkedin i'm just dan hurt h-i-r-t that's the uh the german spelling so no facebook no no facebook no snapchat no Snapchat, no TikTok. Your B says that the longer we ignore TikTok, the bigger it's going to get. That you know, so that's <laughs> uh, I I lean on the uh, cynical and paranoid side, but uh, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you guys. Wow, that's <laughs> part of your brand, right there, brother. It is. 
That's fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Dan, for sharing your thoughts today. And special thanks to our listeners. Watch for another episode of the If You Ask Betty podcast coming out soon. Peace out. Thank you very much, Betty. That was a lot of fun.